There's a lot to talk about on today's episode. We discuss Joe Lewis and steadying the ship and get the latest on Harry Kane and Kylian Mbappe with French football expert Jonathan Johnson. And don't forget, before we begin, please do like and subscribe to the show and tell a friend. Up the Spurs. Welcome to another episode of An Echo of Glory. Joining me once again, and as always, Gary Diamond. Good morning. And welcome back to Jake Sanders, a.k.a. Jake Two. Good morning. How you doing? All right. So what we're going to do is start, as we mostly do, with club news. And I was thinking, uh, coming in, that when we started this pod in sort of April, we had the season, we had Conte, Stellini, Mason. It was like natural content to talk about. We had matches being played. And the season came to an end, and, and you're like, right, are we going to have to dig deep for content? Maybe some transfers, some pre-season friendlies. This we club, no, we should have known. How did we not know? This club is—I won't even call it the gift that keeps on giving. It just keeps on giving, as that internet meme says: zero days without a Tottenham Hotspur shit show. So we wake up this morning to the news that Joe Lewis is, is in a spot of bother. I don't want to go too deeply into the ins and outs because I don't know fully the ins and outs, but. It's another thing that Tottenham have to deal with. <laughs> Go on. Nothing surprises me. Nothing You've surprises. got to be open for everything as a Tottenham fan, haven't you? And we are. So yeah. I don't think anyone's really waking up massively surprised today whether they know much or don't know much about the situation. To sort of brush it away as another day Just at Tottenham Hotspur. Yep. Gary? It's clearly not something to be brushed away. It's, 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 a, it's a big topic. But um, I think there is... A, a, look, I don't. I don't believe that it will end up directly impacting Tottenham um, because, you know, he, contrary to popular belief, he doesn't own Tottenham, um, and uh, and in fact he signed away his his uh, person of control to, you know, a fund at the end of last year. So I don't think it will really impact Tottenham at all. But there is, in my view, an irony around the narrative that surrounds this, and that is that. Spurs fans have been desperate to say for so long, oh, Joe Lewis owns our club and he, and he doesn't put his hand in his pocket, this, that, the other, you know, doesn't, doesn't get involved, doesn't do this, doesn't do that, um, should throw his money in. Actually, if he had have thrown more of his own money in, then that could have had, at this point, more implication for Tottenham. Um, but the other irony is, you know, from, from all of this, Joe Lewis doesn't get involved, he doesn't care, this, that, the other, everybody suddenly seems to be desperate to make him the main man. Everybody seems to be desperate to make him the focal point of Tottenham Hotspur Football Club when he never has been, never was, and never will be. And it's like, I, I feel as though, you know, the, the irony w w with all the time is, is, is with Spurs fans, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy where every single bit of information or news that comes out, there's this desperation to twist it into the most negative possible consequence for Tottenham. And I don't understand I, th I think for some why. fans, there's... Like Twitter is an echo, X is an echo chamber and there's a lot of negative comments. I think some fans are unsure as to how they can protest about the club. We've talked about this before. So I think people feel the only way to get at a club is to say negative stuff. I'm sure the club do read this stuff. So it's kind of like, this is how we're feeling, guys. Sort your shit out. But, you know, th th there's no rationale. There's no common sense. There's no, th there's no l sequential process to it. When you go from Joe Lewis isn't involved at all, and that's been your main gripe for years and years, to, to suddenly, sudden to suddenly the main man. Joe Lewis is the main man, and <laughs> this is going to have huge implications for Tottenham. It's like, where do you want to be on this? Yeah. Like, work it out and, and stop grabbing 
the, the, the bits that you want to bottom yeah, look. point of, of whatever your narrative is. But put all that to one side. The reality is that I don't believe that this will negatively impact Tottenham. But it's not a good there, look. It's not it's a, good, not a look. good look. Again, it's not a good look. And of course, it is associated to Tottenham Hotspur Football Club, and we can't avoid that. And we, you know, there's going to be those links. But actually, the actual consequential impact on Tottenham will be negligible, Let's if anything yep. at all. Yeah. Okay. On the pitch, Jake. Uh, Sunday's game against Leicester postponed. Uh, Daniel Levy apparently should be knowing the weather better when he books these tours. Look, clubs will go to Asia. They've been before. They will go again. Spurs were, in my opinion, well, not just my opinion, they were unlucky yep. that the game was called off. But there's been a few uh, thoughts that we've, we are undercooked. We played a third best team in Singapore a little bit later on today as we record. Your thoughts on the tour itself and do you agree that we might be a little bit undercooked? I, I wouldn't say undercooked, you know. Um, Andrew's done this previously and, you know, a, a game or two fewer is, is not the end of the world. I'm not saying we're the same as City, but I think City have only got two or three friendlies lined up and we've already played one, we've got one today and we've got, you know, two really good opponents in Barcelona and but Shakhtar. And I, I don't no, sorry, but for us, is it really important with a new manager Pep yeah. City know what they under Pep it's it's the same it's just mechanical it, it, we need fitness. to learn but also a new theory under Ange it's fitness it's going to take you know we we could have three, four, five more preseason games and win them all and it might not make a massive difference in the first few weeks of the season you know we've still got uncertainties with Kane and uncertainties with the defence and you know I, d I don't think I don't think I, I feel like it's, it's just fitness yeah I, I, w I wouldn't be massively concerned about us being undercooked if I'm honest you know we've still got what two and a half weeks left? Yeah, and we still got probably three, maybe four more friendlies. Maybe they'll try and squeeze in a behind closed doors one, as we were discussing previously. So I, w I wouldn't be massively concerned. Gary, uh, thoughts on us not being able to control the weather? Again, you know, it, it goes back to my point that I made earlier that everybody seems to want to pick up on the worst possible outcome or solution and blame somebody. <laughs> and it's always the same person. And listen, I'm no great defender of Levy, but how you know. As you said at the top, clubs have been on pre-season tours to that part of the world before and they will go again. City have been there, Liverpool have been there, United have been there, Chelsea I think have been there. You know, and it happens. And it's I do just, think clubs are looking west It does feel like it's always Tottenham though. <laughs> yeah, well that's where we're in at the moment. It feels like that. But clubs are looking a bit more west, I think, now for the pre-season friendlies. Listen, you're going to see very soon them going out to the Middle East is, 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 is where it's going to be, right? Yeah. So, so it's evolving and it changes and it is unlucky. But I do agree that the uh, it, it's not going to have so much of a, of a knock-on impact to our season. I was actually more concerned about the calibre of opposition that we've chosen to play in pre-seasons because I don't think that teams that traditionally sit deep, West Ham, Leicester... Shakhtar are a mess at the minute. I don't see what they're going to provide. Even Roma. Roma, you know, very negative team. And, and, and if we had played them, I don't know how much it would have told us about, okay, it would have been good practice to get us onto the front foot and playing that and attacking football. But where we are going to struggle and suffer next season is the exact goal that we spoke about last week that West Ham scored, which is actually when we're up on the halfway line and we lose a midfield duel Two passes in behind. Yeah. And, you know, I actually think that in terms of that, we'll get more benefit out of playing 11 versus 11 within our own squad, where both teams are going at each other and both teams can pick the deficiencies in that system. Because, I'm sorry, West Ham did not do it. 
Leicester would not have done it. Roma would not have done it. Shakhtar sure as hell ain't going to do well, we it. We don't know that. And they're, they're, they're not. They're not. We're going to play in their half at 80% of possession in their half. Shakhtar might get out their half a couple of times. It's going to be a procession. But in Barcelona, okay, fine. But that's five days before the season starts. Are we actually going to play the team that, we go, that, that, that starts against Brentford against Barcelona? I reckon they might get 10, 20 minutes and it will be mainly the second string against Barcelona. You said before we came on, Jake, that the under-21 friendly against Stevenage against this Saturday, you think might be a little bit stronger than the club may have thought because of what happened against Leicester or didn't happen against Leicester. Well, yeah, there's quite a few, you know, and Dombele's and Jed Spencer's and Dyer's that haven't kicked could, a ball, could yeah. potentially go into... We're, we're talking about, you know, the whole squad being undercooked, but specific players, you know, you don't want to be going into to a season which is relentless. I know we've got no Europe, but we've got the League Cup early and a few midweek Premier League games with, you know, two games under your belt. Yeah. I think it's important to, you know, regardless of opposition. Yeah. So, again, we come back to it being a big squad. Uh, we need to get players out. We keep talking about we need to get players in. We started so well pre-season with, oh, we're getting players in early and that seems to have stopped. Certainly in the centre-back, uh, centre-half department, talks of Ashley Phillips from Blackburn. Um it was going to come for a medical or he was two million quid. Now all of a sudden he's five million quid with add-ons. Again, apparently that's the fault of the club for low-balling Blackburn. We're not sat around the table. We don't know what's happened, but it seems that Blackburn has said, no, we want a little bit more. So it's slowed down. Thoughts? Again, you know, in terms of the profile of player, I absolutely agree that this is somebody that we should be after. Where Spurs came to prominence in the last 20 years is having is is investing in a core of young English mm. players. You think of Michael Dawson, of Aaron Lennon, Kyle Walker, Kyle Walker Peters, Tom Huddleston. Um, I'm probably forgetting a, a whole Rose. Da, Danny, Danny Rose. Rose. Uh, you know, I'm probably forgetting a, a whole load of others as well. At Delhi Alley, yeah, right. Yeah, you know, um, so this is the profile of player that we should be signing because it's so low risk. And if they come through and, and really sort of, they could add huge value to the team in the next couple of years, or people don't want to hear this, but commercially it's, it's highly viable and it makes sense, right? So it's a good operational way to run the club. And, and Ashley Phillips is meant to be very highly rated. I haven't seen him. I'm not going to pretend. Have you seen him on your trips, championship trips? No. He's not, he, didn't, he didn't play loads last no. season. Um, I, I'd heard of him, but I've, I've not seen him play, but I, I, I agree. These are the kind of players Fans don't want to hear it because, you know, with a new manager, you want to be signing, you know, your 30, 40 million players. That go straight Germany. in. That go straight in. And, and, and I'm, not, I'm not one getting excited. Sorry, 30, 40 million these days is the cheap option, apparently. Fans <laughs> want 50, 60, 70 but million. You know what I mean? But yeah. we, we, we need to sign these players before they end up at a Brighton or a Crystal Palace. And then, go, and then, like Eze, like we've discussed previously, and then fans go, oh, why didn't we sign him when he was in the championship? Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. And what about outs? Sanchez to Russia. You don't think that's going to happen? I mean, you know, we all know what's going on with with with, with Russia and, and Ukraine, and you'd be you'd be a bit daft. Again, pick up on this, but again, Levy's disgusting for taking players from the Ukraine, and oh, Levy's disgusting for it's just incessant. Yeah, yeah, it's it incessant. This has got you today, isn't it? It's really <laughs> annoying me because it is every single possible narrative yeah. that there can be a negative spin on. It's like I just I, Look, I, it's really. I don't think he's going to go to Russia, no, but I think it's probably it's set the ball rolling and other clubs will see this is the fee that we want yeah no I agree and, and he'll go I don't think that I think 30 million with a year left is, is quite decent business 100% for Sanchez it. you know we yeah. previous windows you feel like we couldn't give him away so 30 mil is, is, is quite decent yeah and he needs to be out the door for his own career yeah, as well for sure no I think he wants to leave yeah. and I think he's happy to go if we 
I don't blame him for not going to Moscow. <laughs> also, from his point of view, as much as most of the fan base don't rate him, he could play for a better club than Spartak Moscow, who aren't even yeah. in Europe because yeah. of the, because of the ban. Yeah, so you know, point. he could definitely get a European club. Agree. Yeah, and he'll want to be thinking about his international career. I think there's a Cop America coming up. There's yeah. no World Cup for a few years, but. I'm not sure Moscow, aside from the politics, is the right move for him. No. But talking to centre-backs, I don't know if you saw the Romero interview yep. with Alistair Gold in Football London. Romero, someone when he came in, I was so happy that we signed him. For me, world-class is such a loose term, but up there as one of the best central defenders, I think, in the world. When he came, Serie A player of the year. Blokes is a head case, unquestionable head case. And I think we all thought... Does he want to be here? He's won the World Cup. It almost looked like he'd retired after the World Cup. He's reached the pinnacle of his career at low 20s, however old he is. And he seemed to just stop. But he said he came back and the place wasn't the place that he left. You know, we beat Leeds 4-3. The yeah. club was on a bit of a high. A little bit of a good atmosphere going into the World Cup. Maybe we turned a corner. But he said it was the place stunk when he came back. Yeah. He didn't have a good second half of the season. Um, but he's a player we need, need to be happy. Yeah, I, agree. I mean, I, I personally have never massively warmed to him. I know he's a top, he can be a top defender, but um, he's a bit of a liability yeah. and, you know, the, way, the the whole yellow card and red card thing is, is frustrating. But I, I, li- I like that interview. I really, I mean, I was I was also thinking, you know, you got to show us on the pitch, but he said a lot of really good things. I mean, I don't think many Spurs supporters reading that interview wouldn't have been, you know, excited because, yeah. you know, a, to- a top Romero at his best with another top centre-back mm. is really, really, really exciting, mm. I yeah. think, personally. Yeah. That, that's a top, potentially top, you know, centre-back duo if we get someone in. If. I recall when Jan Vertonghen came to the club and there was a lot of instability and uh, and, and big fallouts with, with Tim Sherwood and, and so on. And, and he was moody and grumpy and miserable and didn't look like he wanted to be here. But then we got Pochettino in yeah. and suddenly there was stability, playing good yeah. football and so on and so forth. The vibe around the place was different. Um, and we also got uh, Alderweireld to play next to him, and and it's a very similar kind of a situation, I think. Um, I'm not in any way comparing them as players, but in terms of the situation and what they've come into at Tottenham, um, and I can see, you know, with Ange providing stability, playing a good brand of football, uh, that the environment around the club will be a lot more positive, a lot better, and I think we'll see a happier Romero, who's more invested in the team. Um, that's certainly the hope, anyway. Another player who did an interview this week was Son. Um, someone who had a difficult season. It came out towards the end of the season that he'd been injured and he basically said, I was injured, I was in pain all season. I mean, that's not a good thing, but it's a good thing that he said that and we can now look back and go, okay, that's why you were so shit, mate. He can't, you can't go from golden boot winner to that without there being a problem. I also think Conte was a problem in this. So he's not going to have the same bad season again, is he? No, and it feels like, you know, he's we've seen... There's a little bit of a, uh, a bromance between Son and, and Ange in yeah. a few press mm. conferences. Well, they know and each other, don't he knows know him from mm. this whole, you know, Asian Cup final and, and whatever. And yeah, it, it um, yeah, I, I, I'm expecting a big season from Sonny. You know, it feels like he's got the trust of Ange, potentially hinting that he could be a captain, calling him one of his leaders. Yeah. Um, if Kane does go, there's not many, is there? Well, no, you'd, you'd it's probably Hoiberg. possibly look at Hoybio, it may go. Mm. Dyer would be the most natural leader, but he's you know he's probably not going to start, and we don't want to go down that route of you know the, the Harry Maguire route of, of not having your captain in the starting eleven. And mm. I guess it would be by default, son. You know, he captain's career, and there's not many out there. And I don't he wouldn't he wouldn't be ma- massively my choice as, as captain. No. But I guess right now we've we've not got many options if Kane, Larice, and Hoybier go. Madison captain Leicester briefly. 
Square that you bring in a player and the captain straight away. But even if he'd been here two years, I'm not sure he's captain material. I don't know his character, but I'd like him just to get on and create goals and take some nice free kicks. But there's not many. No, we we, we touched on this previously, and it it is a deficiency in the squad Mm. where you can't... You know, when you think back to Sir Alex Ferguson's great United teams, you could have thrown that armband to any single one of the 11 players and it really wouldn't have mattered. And it was a team full of leaders. Similarly... You know, under Arsene Wenger, Arsenal had a, a team of captains, a team of leaders on the pitch. And you can see it even in, 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 in the goals that we conceded from set pieces against West Ham. We're right, looking at each we other. Haven't defend, we, haven't, we haven't been practising, we haven't done the training, and, and Ange held his hands up and said, we haven't done that. But where are the leaders on the pitch? Yeah. Where, where is that coming from? Yeah. And, and it's, it's a problem. It's a, it's a it's big a concern. It's a big, We've big got concern. quite a new team now, though. If you look at the team that a lot of fans want to see, you know, the goalkeeper's new, the two fullbacks are going to be new, yeah. a new centre-back, Romero's relatively new, Madison, Basuma, Bentacor, Kulisewski, yeah. Yeah. you know, they're all Richarlison, so, they're uh, all pretty new. The, the so longest-serving player is, you know, besides Son, is probably what... Ben Davis, I guess, wouldn't be a terrible captain. If you shout. played if every you played week. Then you're talking the same Harry Maguire situation, because hopefully he won't play every yeah. week. Um, There's not many. No, there, there, aren't, there aren't those big char- there aren't those big characters that you see with the winning mentalities. And for that reason, actually... I would almost be tempted to throw the armband to Christian Romero. Oh my god! And and, and hope and hope <laughs> and oh hope god. and hope. Have your captain and hope that it tempers, <laughs> but hope that it tempers him, gives him a bit more responsibility, gives yeah, him a bit more uh, status at the full, club. I would rather see him than Son. I, I, you know, if I'm if I'm in the trenches going into battle, and I love Sonny, this isn't a criticism of him. It's just who he is. Then. I'm not looking at Son going, I'm pleased that I'm, you know, I'm pleased I'm walking out, you know, the tunnel with it you. It might like, rain Romero in, but yeah, it, there, there's part of it that you, you, want to, you want to reel him in a little bit, but you need Romero to play on that edge because that's how he plays. I, it's a good point, and I, every time I've looked at a team like you've just gone through the names, I've glossed straight over Romero. I don't choose Romero as a natural captain, by the way. It's just there's such a lack of anything else. And if you said to me, right now, Harry Kane goes, and before we bring anybody else in, who would I have as captain? Well, it's got to be somebody that starts every week. Also, the the language as well. You know, you want someone that predominantly speaks English. I don't know about Romero, but most of the captains in the Premier League are, you know, English talking. I, I don't know that. if that would I, be I, an I issue. I get that. I'm, 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 only yeah. saying, I'm only saying that as I look at it right now, there are so few characters that I see as aggressive, natural-born winners that, to me, makes a captain, leads by example, is going to sort of put his body on the line. That's what I want to see from a captain, mostly. Um, well, he's, he's won I a like, World Cup, Romero. That helps. That's I like centre backs or central midfielders as captains. I actually don't like strikers or goalkeepers as captains. I think you know it's got to be centre back or centre midfield. So he's the natural choice for me, but he's not ideal at all. No. Bentoncourt wouldn't be a terrible choice no. from what he showed in you yeah. know, his first year. But obviously, yeah. you know, we've got this issue with him. You're right. When you go through the team, there aren't many. So maybe whoever gets it will get it by default. Um, we're going to come back to why we might be looking for a new captain uh, shortly. Just a little bit more club news. Women's World Cup has started. Uh, a great start for a couple of our players. Goalkeeper Becky Spencer, midfielder Drew Spencer, drew 0-0 with France. Uh, Beth England didn't play. Obviously, England won 1-0, but she's not getting a game. Even if they're down to 10, I don't think Vigman's sticking her on. Uh, Real Percival with New Zealand. They won against Norway, which is a great result. And then they lost to the Philippines, which is not a good result. So mixed review, uh, mixed start for her. Shalina Zadorski for Canada didn't play against Nigeria. They're playing later on today as we record on Wednesday against Ireland. And Rosalina Ayana of Morocco, they got thumped 6-0 by Germany. She did okay, but the golfing class was, was far too much. Uh, anything to say on the Women's World Cup? It's been, been, 
bit of a mismatch at times so far, but yeah. I guess, you know, that's what happens in the group stages when you've got a few minnows in there. But it's been good. I'm sure it will get better as we get towards, you know, the quarters and semis. Yeah. Uh, and the youth team, uh, we had John on last week, told us about that game that night against Enfield. Uh, they drew nil-nil. They play Stevenage on Saturday. We might see some more experienced players, as we said. Uh, and the under-18s lost 1-0 in Cork last week. So, a uh, good start. Uh, no goals for either of the youth teams. <laughs> Let's not have another season of that nonsense. Um, right, Harry Kane. And we're going to talk about Harry Kane uh, in detail uh, in a minute. But we're going to start by talking to someone who... We talked last week to Rafa Honigstein about Kane uh, going to Bayern. The other club he's been linked with is PSG. So, who better to talk about French football and the connections with the club and Harry Kane going to PSG... Uh, then our next guest. Delighted to be joined now by French football expert Jonathan Johnson. Jonathan, uh, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, we've, we've laughed off the Mbappe to Tottenham rumours here. It's not going to happen. Uh, but one thing that might be connected uh, in a way is Kane and Mbappe. Uh, do you feel that the only way that Kane would go to PSG is, is if Mbappe moves on? And where are we with the Mbappe deal potentially to Saudi Arabia? Yeah, there, guys. Thanks a lot for having me on. Uh, delighted to uh, to have been called up for the pod. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I mean, the most of the noises uh, sort of regarding Harry Kane to PSG so far have sort of basically rebuffed the idea uh, that Harry Kane might come to to PSG. It sounds, uh, you know, both you know based in Paris, but also you know from what's going on uh, at the moment uh, with regards to all the transfer rumours that Kane will be more likely to go to Bayern Munich, and obviously. Uh, link up with ex-PSG coach Thomas Tuchel there. But, uh, you know, Kylian Mbappe's future at this moment in time is far from uh, being sorted. We know that there is uh, a mega offer from Saudi Arabia and Al-Hilal uh, for him to go and play there, which wouldn't stop him from joining Real Madrid still in 2024, which PSG suspect he already has an agreement lined up with a significant signing on fee to, to do so. Uh, but, you know, I think there's still a long way to go in the Kylian Mbappe saga. Uh, but if, you know, Mbappe was to move on, uh, you know, whether it's sort of for a lower fee than, than what's been touted coming from Saudi Arabia or for a world record fee, uh, you know, I think, you know, obviously established goal scorers of, uh, you know, Harry Kane's calibre would be of interest to, to PSG for sure. But uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me if they were to go more for somebody like um, uh, Victor Ozyman or uh, Gonzalo Ramos. Uh, instead of somebody like Kane, because it sounds like Kane at this moment in time, if he was to leave Spurs, would probably be quite set on on going somewhere like Bayern Munich. I mean, Bayern Munich have the the sort of institutional history, the the track record of Champions League success that PSG don't have, uh, and most importantly as well. I mean, one of the key reasons in Kylian Mbappe looking to leave PSG and go to Real Madrid. You know, Bayern Munich are one of sort of the established European giants, whereas PSG are still struggling to really justify calling themselves that because of the, you know, the constant sort of, uh, you know, media circus that surrounds them and the regular, uh, you know, failures in the, the Champions League. If, if you were to put your, you know, to put a bet on it, do you think that Mbappe will be at PSG uh, come the start of the season when the window closes or do you think it's done now, he's moving on? Uh, if you'd asked me this, you know, probably 
even this time last week, I'd have said that I was still confident that Mbappe would still be a PSG player. But the way things have taken a turn sort of in the last few days with him being left out of the Japan and South Korea tour, uh, and now, uh, you know, the the offer coming in from Saudi Arabia, uh, you know, it will be interesting to see if Real Madrid do come to the table and try and get a deal done uh, this summer. I've always said, uh, you know, since the very beginning, and this is sort of dating back years now, that I think the most logical out point for Mbappe with his time with PSG and also in France would be next summer uh, where he can potentially sign off with uh, you know French success in the Euros but also French success in the Olympics uh, because the Olympics are being held in Paris of course, yeah. but this is probably the biggest threat to that happening so far so this for the first time I'm sort of less willing or a bit more reluctant to say that I think Mbappe will be a PSG player next season okay. Jonathan, um, quickly on, on French strikers while we're discussing it, one, one striker that's been connected to Tottenham is uh, Randall Kolo Mouani. Um, if Mbappe was to leave PSG, is that not somebody that PSG would look at or do you think there's any legs in the rumour that he could come to Spurs? I do think that there would be legs uh, in rumours linking him with Spurs. Um, I think the thing that I struggle to see with PSG is that they would pay probably sort of in the region of 100 million for a player who only left Ligue 1 uh, sort of 12 months ago. It's, uh, you know, been sort of a, an overnight success story for, for Colin Moani. Obviously had a fantastic season with Eintracht Frankfurt. Uh, you know, also had a, a very good World Cup campaign with France uh, where they came runners up in the World Cup as well. So it's difficult to, to sort of see PSG making a splash for him when a sort of similar amount could get them, uh, you know, somebody who has a bit more of a proven track record in terms of being prolific but equally uh, at the same time you know he is French he is uh, you know one of sort of the the top attacking prospects in Europe at this moment in time yeah. uh, and I think the challenge that Spurs will face in terms of replacing Harry Kane with anybody whether it's Kota Moani, whether it's somebody else is this um, inability to offer continental football this coming season uh, you know obviously the aim of Spurs will be to get back into Europe as quickly as possible but for a player, um, you know, who might be coming from a team that's qualified for Europe, it's, you know, certainly, uh, you know, a consideration that they would have to make. I mean, up until the recent Chelsea rumours, I'd have said somebody like Montpellier's Elie Wahi was maybe sort of more the kind of striker profile that Spurs would be looking at. But, uh, you know, obviously, while Harry Kane is, is still under contract and still at the club, uh, you know, this is all sort of speculation and just kind yeah. of throwing names out there yeah. at this moment. Yeah. Jonathan, in terms of uh, Hugo Lloris, he's obviously been left out of the club's pre-season tour because he's given permission to speak to other clubs. There's been a few links with Inter Milan, but based on you know the struggles he had last season, where do you sort of see his future? Is he still good enough to play at the top level? I mean, that's a really interesting question. I mean, there's been Saudi Arabian interest as well. He's been linked with PSG, who might have some upheaval in terms of the goalkeeper position. You've got Keylor Navas, who might leave permanently, having spent the second half of last season on loan with Nottingham Forest. Uh, you've got Gianluigi Donnarumma, uh, who Luis Enrique wants to see more from in terms of playing with the ball at his feet, which you know also is not exactly a, a no. strong suit. <laughs> <No. laughs> but there's, uh, but then you've got the situation as well, unfortunately, with uh, Sergio Rico, where you know PSG are going to be looking for for an extra body. So it could be that if PSG decided to cash in on somebody like Donnarumma, they might look to Loris as a, a short-term solution. 
but uh, you know, I would say sort of in terms of what Luis Enrique wants uh, as a ball playing goalkeeper, I'm not sure that Loris would be a much better fit than uh, than Donnarumma there. So, uh, you know, Inter now having moved Onana on to, to Manchester United, uh, you know, that does look like a potentially interesting destination uh, for Loris. But the, the issue with Inter is that despite bringing in a significant amount of money for Onana, they still look to do, um, you know, smart business and bring in sort of free transfers. Look at Marcus Turam coming in from Mönchengladbach uh, on a free. So, you know, I think Loris would be quite tricky for them to do, especially as there are rumours that they're trying to land uh, Balogun as well from Arsenal. Um, Jonathan, an- another French footballer um, at Tottenham and, and a bit of an enigma. I wonder what the perception is in France of, of Tanguy and Dombele. Um, and, and generally, what can you tell us about him that we may not already know? What is he ever going to achieve his potential? I mean, if I had the uh, the answer to that question, I'd be I'd be a rich man. The amount of times it's been put to me, but no, he honestly, obviously, he's you know fantastically gifted technically, um, you know, and on his day, he can be phenomenal. But you know, he can be infuriating. You mentioned that he's you know enigmatic, and you know, no coach has really been able to truly sort of uh, you know crack into to, to that potential, uh, you know, for the moment. Uh, you know, he is sort of somebody who is considered, uh, you know, a talented player in France, perhaps somebody who, you know, has not necessarily made the right moves in the past, uh, but also somebody who sort of similar to Tiemoe Bakayoko, uh, you know, who joined Chelsea from uh, from Monaco. When you start to string together those loan moves, you don't really find a permanent home anywhere. And there is kind of a feeling in France that if he was to make a permanent move away, find somewhere uh, you know, where he could, uh, you know, sort of look to stay for, you know, a period of years and sort of actually sort of build up some momentum, uh, you know, that somebody could still, uh, you know, make the most of the, the phenomenal technical ability that he does have, uh, you know, in his locker. But it doesn't seem likely to, to happen with Spurs. And the longer that sort of these loan moves continue, the less likely he is to really find some, uh, you know, sort of uh, continuity that would be, um, beneficial to him in terms of unlocking that potential that he has. On the continuity, when he signed for Tottenham, obviously what I did and so many others did was jump on YouTube when you get the brilliant compilation and most of it was him dominating the midfield in a Champions League game at Man City. Was that common with his time at Lyon or was that just a one-off? Did he put together a, a season of performances? I mean, he did have, you know, a very phenomenal, uh, you know, period with uh, Lyon. Uh, and obviously they had some great moments as well in the Champions League. I mean, they've had a couple against Manchester City uh, over the years. And, you know, perhaps we could say that the Lyon coach, uh, you know, at the time, uh, Bruno Genesio, you know, is perhaps the the, the one manager who perhaps best understands uh, in Dombélia. Maybe uh, a reunion, perhaps at Rennes, uh, at some point in the future could be key to... Uh, and Dombele, you know, getting back to his best once again. But, uh, you know, I do think, uh, you know, the danger with looking at those kind of compilations all the time is you see sort of one yeah. phenomenal performance yeah. and still a bit of, you know, inconsistency that gets glossed over. Um, and I would say that even sort of at his best in France, Ndombele wasn't sort of, uh, you know, performing, uh, you know, at that kind of level, sort of eight, nine, ten times out of ten. It was, you know, sort of more sort of in the five or six times yeah. Yeah, we've, which, seen that. we've seen that have we? we haven't even seen that have we? <laughs> yeah Gary's not a fan I should point out no, well, no you are no, I love him ability wise I, I yeah. love to watch him play football you paid to watch a player like that yeah but he, he, he 
I can't stand him because he should be a world beater and he yeah. isn't yeah. And, and that's a big frustration um, Jonathan la- la- last question from, from me is uh, Clement Longley last season was uh, on loan at Tottenham back at Barcelona Spurs have got a load going on with rumours around centre-backs what are you hearing in France about the, the where Clement Longley will play football next season it's kind of gone quiet at the moment. There was an expectation, obviously, that he would go to Spurs. But then, uh, you know, with the, the managerial change, Postacoglu coming in, um, you know, he's well within his rights to to look at, uh, you know, all the options on the table and not necessarily go for, uh, you know, somebody who he essentially sort of, you know, inherited in the final kind of couple of days of his loan spell. So, uh, you know, I think that there are sort of eyes on, on where he might go and everyone knows that there's a lot of turnover at Barcelona as well but there's no sort of obvious destination uh, at this moment in time there are some clubs who could come into um, a bit of money if uh, certain players are sold you look at the situation at Lyon at the moment where you're linked with a couple of players like uh, you know Lukeba, uh, Barcola, Cherki who might leave and that would create potentially enough money for them to maybe look at somebody like Longley but equally, at the same time, uh, it's not like the, the French press are expecting them to be on the move sort of in their coming days and weeks at this moment in time. It kind of seems to be in limbo a little bit. In limbo FC is kind of what Tottenham are uh, at the moment. Uh, Jonathan, uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks. Uh, great to get your insight. Just uh, let everybody know where they can find you on, on social media. Sure, well, uh, on uh, the platform previously known as Twitter and now X or whatever it might be called next week, uh, at J-O-N underscore Legosi. That's where you'll find all of my written articles, uh, podcast appearances such as this one and uh, uh, and other media appearances. Brilliant. Jonathan, really great to talk to you. Thanks so much for coming on. Cheers, Jonathan. Thank you. Cheers, thank you. Look, great to talk to Jonathan. We obviously know the Mbappe to Spurs rumours are nonsense. Um, But last week we had Rafa Honigstein on. And he was, there's a lot of talk about Kane to Bayern. I didn't sense there's a lot of talk in France about Kane to PSG. No, it, it doesn't seem so. It does feel as though if Kane is going anywhere, it will be to Bayern. Um, Levy has a good relationship, allegedly, with PSG. And I'd, if anything, it almost sounds as though Levy is trying to use PSG as a stalking horse for Bayern. Come on, guys, you come up with a big offer that I can say yes, and that, that shows Bayern what needs to be done. But outside of that, I don't see really much involvement with PSG and Kane. Jake, do you agree? No, I don't see. I think Bayern Munich's one thing. Bundesliga's one thing. But Kane, Kane playing in the French League is, is a mockery to a player of that. Do you think there's a difference? They're both leagues where the same team wins it every year. I don't know. The French... Ugh, maybe. I, yeah, potentially. And, and to be honest, m- more teams have, have won the French League in the last 10 years than the German League. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, Something, I, Jonathan I said, something Jonathan said that, that, that I thought was interesting was the uh, how how Bayern Munich is such an established club, you know, in the Champions League, whereas PSG is still trying to make their way. Um, I, I don't see that Bayern Munich at this moment have any greater chance over the next four or five years to win the, the, the Champions agree. League I than agree. PSG. Yeah. And if Harry Kane was to go to PSG, he and bumps win up it, the chance at whoever he goes to. But if he was to go there and win it with PSG, does he not write his name into the stars at a football club yeah. versus going to Bayern Munich? Win if they were to win the Champions League with Harry Kane, they've won it six or seven times before. So it's know, the same as every PSG new manager. They go there basically with one remit win the Champions League and no yeah. one's done it and, and, and if you do it you, be, you become a, an absolute legend right? Yeah. whereas at Bayern Munich I don't see how he establishes himself as a legend and, and, and what he does that's great will Kane not be slightly put off by 
Mbappe, Messi, Neymar. Probably the best front three of all Who time going there and never got to a final. I thought that. I was going to talk about that with Jonathan, actually. Ask how have these guys not won the Champions League? They got to the final, didn't they, against Bayern in the COVID year. Um, I kind of agree with you, though. If Kane goes there and wins the Champions League, he's immortalised. Um, but there's no noise. But I feel like... With the problem that PSG have got in the Champions League is that week in, week out, they're playing at standards well, well, well below what they face in the Champions League. So it's hard for the players to up their game. At, you know, Nothing w- much w- happens w- until February at PSG, really. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> where, where, whereas, whereas at Bayern, OK, it's still a one-league team, but the standard of football in well, Germany is, they is better. They nearly didn't win the league this year. They were five minutes yeah. from not winning it. But one other thing that I'm going to pick up on from, from, from that interview, and, and it's again, you know, we all complain about Tottenham and, and, and when we don't get stuff done and so on and so forth. But actually, what came through was it's, it's the same story at most clubs. PSG are going through that at the minute. Lyon, he spoke about with uh, in relation to Langley. They've got to move this one out and that one out and they might get some money in, which might get longer. Everything, you know, we're so immersed in Tottenham thinking that it's just us. But actually, you know, when you speak to the likes of Honigstein and, and Jonathan today and you listen to what they're saying about other clubs, it's always this turmoil of this needs to happen for that needs to happen, this domino effect, and they're all caught up in it. It's not just us that can't seem to get the business done. Mm. It's every club is the same. I'm not asked you actually, Jake, where you think uh, we did it last week, where we think Kane will end up. We all agreed. Uh, He's going to be in a Spurs shirt against Brentford and he's going to be in a Spurs shirt at the start of September. I've changed my mind this week. I think he's going. I think we should get rid of him. I think we need to rip the plaster off. I think we need to move on and I think Ange wants to move on. Where are you on that? The last few days, yeah, this is the most concerned I've been. And that includes 2021 with the whole year not turning up for training. Mm. It It just, you know, I know we've not heard anything from Kate and I know it's not been hugely reported in the English press that he wants to go to Bayern Munich. That's that's all coming from Germany. But it it just it just feels like it's happening. Um, you know, we're hearing Bayern Munich are preparing a third bid. We're not sure how much that is. The stuff coming from Joe Lewis telling Levy that, you know, you need to sell him if he's not signing a new deal. It, it feels like we're Joe now Lewis, just waiting. involved with the club, but, but not involved, involved with the club, the club. <laughs> owns the club, but doesn't involve the club. It feels like we're <laughs> that just... Joe Lewis. You know, we've, we, we've got his, his wife in Germany looking for... You know, Whilst also like, apparently having yeah. a baby shower in London, so and also looking at places in Paris, so shouldn't be flying. It feels Busy. like the the, the, yeah. the final piece, which is the the toughest piece, is you know actually making the, the money. Yeah, it does still feel like they're in the same position they were last week, which is that they fundamentally feel as though they're not going to be able to come up with the amount that Daniel Levy would accept. And I think a lot of what it comes down to at this point is Harry Kane. And I'm not suggesting that he needs to come out and say anything openly because number one, that could well devalue. What can he say, though? Yeah, what what, what can he say? But also, if he comes out and says, I'm not signing a new contract, then then suddenly Spurs are in a a bad position in terms of negotiations. Well, the fee gets less, yeah. The fee gets less, that's what I'm saying. Spurs are in a difficult position because if Harry Kane is saying, I'm still open to signing a new contract at Tottenham, then the reward is worth the risk in the sense of keeping him. Okay, And if we end up losing him on a free, then so be it. But, if we play poker and he's genuine about potentially signing, if we go down that route and he does sign, then the reward is well worth the risk. But if internally Harry Kane has said to Daniel Levy, and this is, I think, what needs to happen, actually there is no chance. I'm not going to go out externally with that, but 
you know, you're I'm either going to lose, you're either going to lose me on a free, mm. or you can make a fee. Then that's a different story. And At that point, do you accept eighty million quid? I think you have to. Yeah. Do you think Kane knows where he's going to be on September second? Right now, I don't actually because it's kind of in his call, but also in Levy's. Levy could just go. I'm still not selling you, mate. But but Kane Kane can influence this. As I say, if he turns around to Daniel Levy and says, "We're not going to go public with this, but I am not going to sign a contract at Tottenham," so it's up to you if you lose me on a free or you accept an offer, right? But that's up to you. But I think that's what Kane needs to do. He needs to be upfront and honest internally. You talk about playing poker. That situation for me, and I may be talking to people who don't play poker, so they may not understand this. But I feel like we're not quite at the river yet. And, and the river card is this season with Ange and, and Levy's going to wait for the... In that situation, Levy's waiting for the river card and he'll be like, this season, let's see what happens. Because you might... I might strike lucky and you might have such a good season. We might have such a good season. You're going to stay. All well and good. And, and I get the analogy. It was but nice, it all, wasn't it? But, but it also yeah. comes back to the fact that if in Harry Kane's head it doesn't really matter what we do this season, he is not going to sign a new contract, then he needs to be honest with Daniel Levy about that. And that puts Daniel Levy in a position where he has to negotiate and find the best fee this summer. Do you think there's a sense that I said this last week that I don't think anything was going to happen until they touched down from the tour? It was obviously never going to happen. On the tour, Kane is the big sell with Son and Richarlison and these things and they can't be seen to be rocking the boat while they're on the tour. Do you get the feeling that it's going to rumble on or actually when they land on the tarmac in a couple of days' time, it's going to start moving on? I don't think it will be, you know, I could, I could see a situation where Kane plays for us and then leaves. You know, if, if, if we've not got anyone well, in... Us at the beginning of the yeah, season. Yeah. I, I know that's quite uncommon nowadays because you get, you know, they get left out and we yeah, had it... It's had only, it, how long, we, three we, weeks? We, it could happen, yeah. We had it with Berbatov who, yeah. you know, let, let caused you some question. problems and then, and then they dropped him. Mm. They dropped him, I remember, but... I, I don't know. Would, would would if Ange knows he's going and it's not done yet, would he want Carry Kane playing the first two three games? If you're saying that you could see a situation where Kane would start the season and then leave. Who's captain in the opening game? And who's Kane? club captain Kane. in the season? Yeah, Kane. well, you don't need to. Na- you don't name one yet, do you? You well, don't need. But to you name have to. Someone's got. By the first someone's game got to wear the armband. Yeah, no, no, but you don't need to name your club captain. Kane's been wearing it in pre-season. I feel they? as though this time next week, or by Friday of next week, I feel that we're going to have. Because it feels as though Bayern Munich are coming back with an alleged meeting with Levy on, on Friday of this week. Right. And either at the beginning of next week, it's going to start to break that, you know, there is a, a tipping point for, for, for Tottenham that Bayern Munich know and Bayern Munich have the decision to come back to it or not. Or it will be Bayern Munich has still made no progress. And I think this, I think this time next week, we'll have a pretty clear indication. Their first bid was five weeks ago by Munich. If they bid, the reported... We, do, we do, should set them a deadline and say, you know... If, I if, think there if, should if, be a if, deadline. You know, and, and, it, and that should be the end of the month or the start of, you know, a week before the season and say, you know... Because we could get caught in a really difficult situation where Kane ends up going and then, you know, you, you couldn't replace Kane if you had six months to replace him, let alone two weeks. So... I, I just think we need to... We need to... We need, so, to, we need to move on from... Not yeah. in the pod, we're going to, no. because we need to come to the end, but the club, I think, needs to move on from Kane. Yeah. I, I just think Ange... Would probably prefer he'd obviously prefer Kane stay. I'm here. I'm staying, mate. Yeah. But I I don't think it's going to happen. I think Ange, also an Ange, bless him. Welcome to the circus, mate. <laughs> Jesus Christ. He looks like he's tough enough to deal with it. Though. He does. I mean, even his sarcastic, you know, thing yesterday about it's showing uh, t- tell time is. And, and isn't it great? And this is not about making fo- fun of the situation, which I like. Yeah, this is not yeah. about foreign managers. I can, can care less about that. But isn't it great to see someone? Not, we're not. There's no cryptic messages in in, in interviews. What you see is what you get. It feels I like think. He's pre- he was prepared for this. <laughs> well, you, you have to be, what, yeah. yeah. It's a clever appointment, Ange, 
for the reasons that we said when we were discussing who should be manager. Um, he's going to get Tottenham primarily, this is first and foremost, the most important thing, he's going to get us playing a brand of football that we would like Tottenham Hotspur Football Club to be associated with, and he's going to get that ingrained throughout the club, and that is going to be our DNA, yeah. I suspect, for the next 10, 15, 20 years. That is how we're going to play. Yeah. But the second reason it's a clever appointment is because he's going to give us stability in a way that so many other managers couldn't. You think of Nagelsmann or whoever it might else it might have been, uh, Enrico we were linked with. You could see these managers having an absolute paddy and a meltdown and walking a out. Conte. Just, <laughs> if I can't, I can't yeah. talk about Conte anymore. I mean, especially after Romero's comments and so on. You know, like, it just shows what poison he was. But, but coming back to Ange... You know, he's going to give us stability. He's not going to walk out. This is going to be the biggest job of his career. He is going to see out the four years and he is going to take us through a period of turmoil. And that's Each week. He feels like he's going to get on with those, exactly. those kind of blows. And, you know, I'm exactly. not saying, you know, you can understand if he threw his toys out of the pram losing Harry Kane, but it feels like he's just going to sort of ride a bit and go, you know, let's move on and... He's going we'll he, to see it. I'm here for four years. Is Harry Kane going to be here for four years? At some point, probably, I'm going to lose him. So I thought you were about to burst into an Aussie accent there. Nah, no, 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 not, not, <laughs> not yet, mate. Nah. Uh, all right, I'm going to ask the question again. Is Harry Kane in a Spurs shirt against Brentford? Yeah. Is Harry Kane in a Spurs shirt against Brentford, Gary? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is Harry Kane in a Spurs shirt start September? Nah. No. Gary? Yeah, he'd have scored five goals by then. <laughs> We'd be top of the so league. you still think Harry Kane's going to stay? Mate, I, I, listen, I don't know. I hope so. I don't think he's staying now. I changed my mind from this time last week where I said I think he's going to stay. Uh, anyway, gentlemen, thank you, uh, Jake, too, for, for joining us. Uh, Gary, for joining us once again. Uh, we will be back next week and up the Spurs. 